This is Culture Communication and Brand Moments with Shelby Joe Long, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant people on the planet, hear their stories, and get the most important business lessons they have learned on their road to success, and get exclusive advice on how to implement their success into your life and business. Culture, Communication, and Brand Moments is brought to you by the Strategic Advisor Board and your host, Shelby Joe Long. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Genius Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Shelby Joe Long, your host, and I use this podcast as an opportunity to inform my listeners that it is a possibility to turn your genius and your expertise into an income stream. I love to interview people that have created a business out of your genius, the genius entrepreneurs to inspire you to think about your genius in a different way. Today is no exception. I'm very excited for this interview and to learn a little bit more about Victoria because there's quite a bit of synergy in what we do. So Victoria Peltier with Unstoppable You is going to talk to us about her business. Victoria, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. And can you just give us a, can you talk, tell me about your business, the overview of you and your business and what you've created? Yeah, for sure. So I'm a career long corporate executive in the professional services world, predominantly B2B. And I shifted many, many years ago to that second income stream, leveraging a lot of what I learned in executive leadership. A lot of what I was asked to do for my quote unquote day job into um, the second stream. So Unstoppable You is the business that I created for the public speaking work that I do, for the personal branding coaching and the executive coaching uh, that I do. And every once in a while, a tiny bit of consulting on the side, um, but that's probably the smallest piece of it. And that, again, comes from the fact that I've been speaking on stages predominantly for, you know, it started 20 something years ago for my um, companies that I worked for, standing on stages at conferences, et cetera, to then recognizing that there was a platform and a desire for me to leverage that and you know speak uh, even on a much more personal level on on stages and and start to get paid for it. Right. That's that's what all speakers want. They want to get paid for it. It's fun to be up there. I mean, it's not fun for everybody. It's fun for me to be up there, but that's what you want. That's the ultimate thing that you want is to be able to do that. And you have done that. Created a the paid speaking services out of your out of your background. So what can you t- talk to me about some of the conferences that you what what do you speak about? What are your what are your main what's your I guess my question is like what's your core offer? What's your what do you talk about? Yeah, so I I have probably five keynotes that I'm I deliver most frequently and sometimes I might intermingle them depending on you know what the ask is from the organizers. So the one I do the most is called Unstoppable. Uh, that is, that's my life philosophy and mantra. Uh, it's like, you know, the book that I co-authored as well. So then when I was creating this new LLC, when I moved back to the US, shockingly, I named it Unstoppable You. That Unstoppable One is one that actually came out of the fact that I was having conversations, doing coaching and mentoring with the women's employee resource groups or the LGBT groups, I'm heavily committed around diversity, equity, inclusion. And so Mm -hmm. talking about my journey, what does that look like? And so overcoming extreme adversity and trauma and, you know, how I've become incredibly resilient, how I've leveraged that. And then beyond that, what are kind of the career lessons that I would impart on my 
20 something year old self if I could. So that's, that's one. The other is around diversity, equity, inclusion, and the, what I refer to as strategic intentionality we must have uh, on that front. I also talk about personal branding around leadership and culture. I'm almost maniacally focused on that in the organizations that I work for around building the right kind of leadership teams that speak and act in the way in which we would want from a human or heart-centered leadership perspective. And I believe that it's all of those things that you know drive the culture. Uh, so I'll speak on that. The future of work. I've been running um, HR strategy, um, technology, and consulting businesses for not quite the last 10 years. So talking a lot about how the workforce is evolving and then again, connectedness around leadership and, and culture. So those are the ones I, I speak about most frequently. And then every once in a while, like I said, I'll kind of intermingle a few of those or do something nuanced for a, a very particular audience. That's great. Gosh, you're speaking my language, organizational culture, connection to leadership, all of those things are so important. And particularly now to, in the, in the DEI space, that's uh that's something that, I mean, is, is very popular, but it's also something that's so foundational to things. And I think there's often we need to draw attention to that, to be able to recognize that. Yeah. So tell me, tell me about, I'm curious about how you got it, so speaking has kind of become your business. You are a leader. You're in that space. What was the inspiration to get into that space? Was it the positions that you held? Did that kind of draw you in? Or was there something in your background that kind of drew you to that? Uh, it's both of those things. So I, my, my mom put me into modeling as a teenager. I hit my height really early and I'm, I'm adopted. So they didn't know how tall I was going to be. And I was fairly introverted funny. You see this woman in front of you now is the opposite of that. So she actually did it to try and break me out of my shell a little bit. And it ended up that I started acting. Uh, so I started doing you know commercials. And then when I went to high school, I was doing it there as well. I loved being on stage. I thrived in doing it. Interestingly, though, I loved being a character because I, you know, not myself. I think I was intimidated if I had to, although I was actually on the de debate club, but again, I always felt like I was, it wasn't me. And so that that excited me. And then when I got into my first executive role, which was in my early 20s, I needed to start attending conferences. And uh, ideally, you know, we would um, you want to be speaking on stages to bring attention and publicity to our organization to attract new business. And that wasn't initially, again, comfortable because now it's Victoria on stage. There's no mask. There's no character. But I, I knew deeply what it was I was talking about. So then I gained confidence in doing it and consistently did it. And then that coupled with the fact that I was asked to coach and mentor and many were looking up to me given the C-suite roles that I had for larger and larger organizations. I was started to be asked to talk a little bit more about my journey, my story, and was asked to do it even outside. It then became sort of word of mouth. And I'm, I'm, coach a lot of people around understanding their value and their worth, how to negotiate. And so at some point I'm like, why am I not charging money for some of this? My time is exceptionally valuable. And so then I shifted from doing it predominantly from a business perspective, unpaid on behalf of the companies I worked for to also being able to leverage that and created this other platform where I would be paid to speak. Yeah, that is that's uh, just a just a just a side note. I've done quite a few of these interviews, and I would say about a third of the people that I interview have some sort of debate, speech, theater background. So, just 
And I, I am also a college debate coach. So that, so that always resonates with me, but yeah, <laughs> awesome. that you, that you can be a character. I think there's a lot to that too, because we have the, our performance self, you know, when we perform as a leader, that might not be, that might not be exactly who our personality is. So I think there's, I think there's a lot, a lot of that to be said. And yeah, and also Shelby, I think for me too, I started to being in the business to business world in particular, when I made the shift out of banking and into that, that environment, I realized that you know, well, we know in business, people do business with people they like and trust and want to do business with. But in so many instances, we get a, you know, a, an RFP that's dropped in our, our lap. And what, what differentiates, you know, my consulting or outsourcing business from another or the people on the team. And so I started to, I didn't have the vernacular for it 20 years ago. Um, but I look back now and realized I personally, and also with my teams was getting them very focused on building their brand. The brand of our organization, for sure, but also of the individuals. And branding is more than the subject matter expertise. It's the whole person. And that's where I also evolved in terms of and gained much more comfort and confidence in showing up as Victoria, the whole person, and not just kind of the business mask and, and how she up on stage. So you can be authentic to yourself. And, you know, you're, I, I call it the leadership charisma, right? Everybody, there's the likability about leaders. It's different for every leader that there might be something likable about one leader that's not likable in another, or there's just differences and being able to harness that. That's really powerful. And now you lead others to do that. I do. I do. Although I am, um, I, I will say, and I know that, you know, your listeners are predominantly so entrepreneurs. And so I've always, always done this as a side hustle. And I will tell you, I can choose to continue to do it as not the only thing that I do. And right. that's also because I describe myself, although you sound a lot the same, Shelby, like I describe me as a multi-potentialite, such a diverse number of interests and passions that I have. I get excited by the complexity of the corporate day job. I love speaking and st standing on stages. I love the coaching that I do. I love the board work that I do. So I, I, I don't think I'll ever want to do it on a full, full-time basis. And that would be the only yeah. way I income. I like to have, you know, my hands in a lot of different places. Sure. Sure. And there's, there, I mean, that you can feed a lot of different desires that you have for your own life in that, for sure. I, I resonate with that completely. I'm still teaching at the college. You know, I love the teaching piece. I love being in front of the classroom. I love doing that. There's something about that. It's, you know, it's not the money. It's the, it's the, it's the fulfillment that you get from that. And it's something that you like being in front of that audience. So so I don't think it's exclusive. I don't think you need to be exclusively an entrepreneur or ride in the fence or whatever. I think there are entrepreneur aspects to that. So for sure. And I imagine that many of our audience members have that too, especially if they're sitting in their jobs, whether it's in corporate or academia or whatever it is you're doing. And you're thinking about what are the possibilities that I have for earning some more income for what I do? And there are that there are infinite possibilities in this world. So I think it's important to talk about that, about how you can ride the fence, if you will. Yeah, I agree. I uh, I mean, my first business was, you know, born also out of a passion. I built a bath and body works company because I enjoyed natural soaps and products. And so I tried making it for myself and then it, that grew itself into its whole business until at some point it was too big for me to continue to do it on the side. And I ended up selling it. Yeah. So you do have those entrepreneur tendencies. They're in there. 
So tell me about tell me about those challenges. What are some of those challenges where you know you have this corporate job, but then you also have this side hustle? What are some of those challenges or differences that you notice in each of those areas? Well, because most of my career has been working for Fortune 500 companies that are highly matrixed and complex the um, politics that comes with it. I think, you know, um, Game of Thrones, for example, when it came out, not typically the genre of um, television series I would watch, but it just made me think of like what my corporate day job was like. I mean, all these kingdoms or fiefdoms that existed all over. So, you know, I've got that in my day job, but then in this, on this other side, I'm completely in control of, right. you know, so it, it, the buck stops with me. Yes, I have a team that helps support, particularly when I'll do consulting or other coaching engagements. I might need to bring in other people even to help support my you know, speaking business in terms of, you know, booking and publicity. So I have teams, but the buck stops with, with me. There's no one else. I'm completely in control of what that, you know, what that looks like. And the greatness as well around having my own business is the ability to say no. Uh, you know, I'm a big believer that in not doing things that do not bring me personal or professional joy or value. And again, I have choices, uh, you know, with unstoppable you in terms of what does that look like? So, uh, you know, saying no to things, delegating, outsourcing, I do that in my corporate day job too, but again, much more control over that, you know, in my own business for sure. Yeah, for sure. Gosh, that's such an important point for entrepreneurs to remember, particularly entrepreneurs that are do it, you know, right in the fence, doing both things is that you got to say no. And you've got to set those boundaries and around what, you know, you got to manage that work-life balance. I think that's a challenge that a lot of entrepreneurs have is that they go into it so heavy and fast that, that then they burn themselves out and then they, you know, so it's a, it's important to, to prioritize and say yes, to set those boundaries for sure. Yeah. And I think also finding the right teams to help support. I think a lot of you know, entrepreneurs come in it and until they're earning revenue through that business, so they're, they're trying to do it all, but we don't have skill sets to necessarily do it all. Like I'm, you know, not, a, I didn't go to school for, although I know I've read a million PL statements and I'm really adept at finance, uh, but I still probably wouldn't handle the books on my own. Right. I want to bring people in. And so recognizing also that there's this incredible world of fractional leadership. So partnering with others and the ability that, you know, barter. So I, I belong to this group called Fractionals United. And so where you've got COOs, CFOs, you know, technology leaders, security leaders, all of these that come together. And I see, and there's a Slack group for that, you know, and so they're always talking and many of them will, you know, barter, uh, you know, for one another, but also just, you know, the, the, the fractional bit. And so that's where I also think, think is important for entrepreneurs is to recognize that there's alternatives to gain support, whether it's that fractional or the whole gig worker, the likes of, uh, you know, Upwork and Fiverr and all those kind of, yeah. you know, tools available. Right. And it keeps you, I talk a lot about this too, keeping you in your zone of genius and keeping you in your, in your space where you perform at the highest capacity and it's the best, it's most fulfilling for you. And so when you're doing, not that keeping books is bad or finance is bad, I'm the same way. I'm like, I don't want to deal with that. I need somebody else to help me with that. And to keeps you in the space of your creativity where you can be the most creative and you can you can have your work-life balance. And, and so the saying no and the delegation, those are two, two 
really important lessons, I think, for entrepreneurs to discover. And a lot of the times it happens along the journey because you don't like set boundaries right away. So you're trying to get much as much work as you can. But I think that's a, those are important lessons to talk about. What would you say if somebody was thinking about starting a business out of their genius, out of their ideas, what would you, what would, what would be the first step or the biggest challenge to overcome to do that, to make a step in that direction? Honestly, I think it's people's fear of failure, fear of not having time, of all of these things. And so uh, besides my mantra of being unstoppable, the other one I have, and when I sign social media posts, I, I sign with unstoppable and the other one's no excuses. And and that's that we we can trauma adversity challenge comes our right fear um is at our doorstep but we have a choice in terms of how we're going to move forward uh with that and i'm a big believer that uh growth does not come until we lean into the things that make us uncomfortable uh and in many cases that that's fear so that would be number one two would be i i the, the notion of, of time, am I going to have time to do it? And, you know, you have to put, you know, f- food on the table. And so this might be a secondary piece until again, it, it earns enough um, income. I have a saying that where there's conviction, there's capacity. And going back to the notion of choice, there's a nine to five, and then there's the five to nine. So you choose how to spend your time. Uh, and so if you want to take that next step and step into your genius and build out this other business, great, but you have choices to make. So Netflixing all night is not going to be the solution for you to take the time to like be building and investing, uh, you know, in yourself. Right. Two great pieces of advice. The, the understanding to invest in yourself, professionally develop. And I think that's, I think people don't think about that, that yes, you don't, you don't need all the skills, but you need to be able to make those connections and communicate with people and 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 invest in yourself to be able to network and make those connections but also understand how to effectively communicate your message and you talk a lot about brand and personal brand being so important i think that's such a critical piece of of building your business and that's as simple as not the right word but that's as focused as like doing a strengths like a SWOT analysis of what you're good at, what you're not good at, where are your opportunities and where are your, where's your threats, you know? So that's a, that's a tool to at least begin to think about that. I think that's something really important to remember. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you're an author. Tell me about your book. So our audience can find it. I, uh, I was approached a number of years ago to be a contributing author to a book called unstoppable change makers who dare to make a difference. So as if that didn't speak to me, you know, from the beginning uh, and the publishers actually made me the opening chapter. That was a surprise. They didn't, they didn't tell me until the book was published. And so I tell uh, a lot of my personal story, my chapter in that uh, is around, you know, surviving trauma, what, what the courage to live is the, the, the title of the chapter. And it just kind of talks about that resilience and what I've learned and how I've taken those lessons into my professional life as well. I plan so that they can find it on my on my website. I'm sure that'll probably be in your show notes. I plan to write a full length book uh, coming up. Uh, I uh, part of me feels like I ha- I need a few more years under my belt before I do the sort of th- that that full book or, you know, CEO of a fortune 500 company to do it. But who knows, I might do it much sooner. Well, you should <laughs> do it sooner because you have a lot of expertise. 
And I mean, it sounds like you, I think there's, there's a lot of knowledge in there that is very useful to people that are in your position. I think there's a, a lot of people in positions similar as ours that are thinking about what else they could do and what are the opportunities and the opportunities in the market just change every day. And it's about deciding, facing that fear and deciding to take the step and then adapting things. So it fits in the marketplace that you want to be in. So Mm -hmm. important things to think about. I look forward to reading unstoppable. That's the name of the book. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I'll make sure that's in the show notes too. So perfect. Well, Victoria, is there anything, what is next for you? What's coming up for you? Where can we, where can we look to see you? You speaking somewhere? Is there something else that we should, where we should find you? Uh, so, uh, what's next? So, uh, I will be moving back to a C-suite job, uh, from, uh, the role I've had as a CEO whisperer in my consulting leadership of, um, consulting teams. Uh, and then on the unstoppable side in speaking, I have many, um, bookings throughout, uh, the balance of this year and into early next. And I also do a ton of media, uh, it's, I use that a lot for the, you know, publicity to bring back to, uh, my speaking. So whether it's on, um, uh, more recently around some of the anti LGBT events, I'll be on, you know, news and, uh, like radio and, and news stations. So they can always see me there. I try to put the majority of the work that I'm doing in one single place and people can choose to link out from there, which is my personal website, which is victoria-peltier.com. Okay. We will for sure include that in the show notes. Thank you. Anything else you'd like to tell talk, tell our audience today about becoming a genius entrepreneur? Well, as I said, I think that, you know, the growth and the opportunity is not going to come if you don't lean into the things that make you uncomfortable. So this notion of being my word unstoppable and living a life of no excuses can very much translate into your audience who want to lean into their genius uh, into their passions, uh, and, you know, find a separate income stream from it. So I say, go for it, go for it and find a community that supports you because they're out there for sure. Well, Victoria, this is not our, this is maybe our first conversation, but it's definitely not our last. And I look forward to continuing to talk to you. I think this is awesome what you do, uh, and the speaking and the work in personal brand and all of those things are just, I love how those all synergize together. I'm excited to find more out about what you offer. So thank you for coming on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. And for all you listeners out there, I hope you were inspired to think about your genius in a different way. That's what we do here. Try to inspire you to enter the marketplace, get past that fear and move to a space where you can have your own product in the market and you can earn money out of it because you can live a life of your passion. And we have stories here of people who have done that and we'll continue to do that to inspire you to do the same thing. So we'll see you next time on the Genius Entrepreneur Podcast. Thanks for listening to Culture, Communication and Brand Moments with your host, Shelby Jo Long. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates and we will see you on the next episode.